And I ask for the next few moments that you give me your attention. You guys, I know you're up front. It's weird and uncomfortable, and I get that. I love sitting in the back. That's where I like to sit. I sat in there at school, and I, I understand. But I want you guys to give me your attention for this. Because in this passage, we see that Joshua gives us a case, a choice, and a covenant. Let's look at the case for service in verse 1. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah and the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan, multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac, Jacob, and Esau, and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. And I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them. And afterwards I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and he came unto the sea. And the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt. And ye dwelt in the wilderness a long season. It doesn't stop there. Look at verse 8. And I brought unto you the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side of Jordan, and they fought with you. And I gave them into your hand, and ye might possess their land. And I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel and set and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to, to, to curse you. And I, but I would not hearken unto Balaam. This is the guy who talked to his mule, remember? And I would not hearken unto Balaam, therefore he blessed you still. So I delivered you out of his hand. And he went over Jordan and came into Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you, and the Amorites, the Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, Jebusites. And I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites. But not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land which ye did, la did not labor, in cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them. Of the vineyards and the olive yards, which ye planted not, do ye eat. What we see here is a case for service. We see Joshua coming to his people and saying, hey, listen here, I'm going to go through a history of our people. I'm going to go all the way back to our father Abraham, even to his father Terah, and I'm going to look at what they did. And the interesting part, he brings them to Shechem. This is not the first time Shechem's mentioned. Shechem was a holy city to become, it was going to be a, a, a Levite city, it was going to be a holy place, but it was a place where Abraham would make promises to God. And what Joshua does is Joshua brings them to a place where they'll remember God. How often has God done that to us? Brought us to a place where the only thing we can do is remember what God has done. A lot of times this is a physical place. 
We're going to my Shechem. We're going to a place where I made decisions as a kid that today I still have those decisions made. I can take you to the steps back in Lancaster of one building. This back building and there were steps going up and I remember sitting there and crying and pleading to God, God, I need your provision. God, I need your help. I remember late at night, I told a security guard, I'm not doing anything. I'm just going over here to pray. I need some quiet time. So often God brings us back to a place where we remember that he's the only way to go. Unfortunately, though, some of us don't listen to physical places. Sometimes God brings us to a place that's not physical, but mental. He brings us to a place where we don't know how God's going to provide. We don't know how we're going to get through this situation. We don't know how God's going to get us through this or how God's going to work through this. But God brings us to a place where the only, where, only place we can go is to him. And guys, you have a choice this week. Choice to say, God's done great things in my life already. You're in church on a Sunday night. That says something. You have parents that care and love you and want you to grow. Some of you are here without your parents, and that shows another level of growth. But it shows this, guys. You've got to make that decision today. I'm going to listen to what God says this week. I like the phrase, and they served other gods. How often do we get caught up in idols? Now, I doubt there's a person in here that goes home and you burn incense and bow down to a little stone image of some deity. You might not go home and sacrifice to some pagan god. But we serve idols every day. We serve the idols of our desires and our dreams. We make choices. We, we, we decide to make these events happen for us because it's what we want and what our dreams want to be and what we want to accomplish as a person. We serve the idol of our lust. What feels good? What, what, what makes me feel accomplished? What makes me feel good or feel fulfilled? We serve that kind of idol. We, we, we follow the idol of our worry. How many of us know a person that all, you, all they do is worry? And you feel like the only thing they do is stress and worry. And they serve the idol of worry. They serve the idol of secret sins. The gods we serve might not be like Balaam or any of the old gods they had. But our gods are our financial security. Money is a powerful motivator. And it's a powerful weight to drag you down. Money is something that has dictated how countries are led, how governments are formed, and how religions have fallen. And we can put so much on our financial security that we decide that that is the primary thing we should worship instead of God. The gods we can serve are our, our physical health. We've seen people make decisions based on, I'm not feeling good, I can't do that, or I'm not sure about this, I should cut, I should cut this out. 
the God of personal time, unfortunately, our family can become a God. We can focus so much that I need to cut ties with different things. I need to cut my time down with God because my family needs it. Your family needs you to be as faithful to God as you can be. Dad's in here, and I'm not going to hit you too hard because I know next week you're going to get beat pretty hard on Father's Day. Your wife and your kids... They don't need a dad who's working 50 hours a week trying to provide every penny for his kids. They need a dad who wakes up every day and seeks God first. God will provide the rest. Yes, work hard. Yes, give your all. But God should be your first priority. And we see that they're worshiping these gods. And like I said, we may not worship the gods of the Egyptians or the gods of the Canaanites, but we bow to the God of our own well-being every day. And what does Israel's history tell us? Well, number one, if you look at the story of Israel, and you look at this case for service that Joshua lays out, the history of Israel shows us, number one, that God knows where we come from, but he doesn't define us by it. God knows our shortcomings. God knows our past. God knows where we failed. God knows what we're struggling with right now, but he does not define us by it. Our background is not meant to be baggage we carry. I almost brought out, Tyler has a weightlifting vest in the back. I didn't, I thought about it, I almost brought this weightlifting vest. So often we, off, we think that our background and the things we've done in our past is something that we have to wear every day on our trek. It's not. Your baggage should, should have been laid at the cross when you got saved. Your background should have been laid at Jesus' feet because he's going to use that for something greater. Our background is not meant to be baggage, but a memory of the goodness of God. Your mistakes are not to weigh you down, but they are tools to help you keep going. So God knows where we come from, but he doesn't define us by it. God will fight every battle for us. There is not a time in your life where you're following God that God says, hey, you've got this one. I'm going to let you have it. Joshua lays it out here in the verses and he says, hey, he brought you before the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Amorites, and he defeated every one of them for you. You look at the story of the children of Israel, they crossed into Jericho and They cross into Jordan and God says, I'm going to give you Jericho, but follow what I say. And they did to a T. And you know what God did? He collapsed the city. He gave them the victory. They see Ai the next day and they see that it's it's not nearly as big. It's not nearly as well protected. So they say, hey, we've got this one. And I don't know how many men, but they lost quite a few men that day. You see, when we decide to fight our battles for, for ourselves, we take away God's power. God's power is not meant for us to go out in our own might thinking, I can do this. It's, God, it's us saying, God, I can't do this, but what can you do? God will fight every battle for us, and God has given us everything we ever need. 
Look at chapter 24. Look at down at verse, at verse 13. And he says, and I have given you a land which ye did not labor. I gave you something you didn't work for. Something that wasn't some barren desert. Something that wasn't a terrible place. It was the promised land. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a place where God had promised you'll be provided for. I've given you the land which you did not labor. Cities which ye built not. They had protection, security, provision immediately upon crossing that river. Of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not, do ye? God provides everything you'll ever need. And guys, listen to this. The world's going to have you strive and work and labor for the betterment of yourselves every day. They're going to want to say you want to do this because it'll be better for you. That You're going to want to do this because you'll be more successful. Labor for God because he's given you everything you need right now. Labor for God because he'll provide. So we see this case for service. Secondly, we see a choice for service. Look at verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. He goes straight into it. Now, therefore, because of what just happened, because of what you've seen God do, Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose you this day. God will not force you to choose him. God is not a tyrant waiting in heaven, waiting for you to make the choice and to show you that he is the only way. He's laid out every bit that he can, and it's now your choice to say, I'm following him. He's given his all, and it's your turn to choose to fear God, serve God, and put away anything that would take his place. So the question's raised, what's taking God's place in your life? What's causing you to not put your full faith in God? To an adult, it's, it could be money, our health, it could be family to kids, it could be relationships, it could be finances, it could be a job, it could be, it could be sports, it could be anything that brings your attention away from what God has for you. Just as Joshua said, choose you this day. He didn't say you better choose to serve God. He made them make that choice themselves. You see, our, church, our, our choice to serve God should be motivated by three things. It should be motivated by God's goodness. Look at verse 17. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us all in the way wherein we went and among all the people through we passed. You see, our choice to serve God should be motivated by God's goodness. God is good all the time. I mean, look at this building. 
It's a testament. I talk to people every, every week at the bank and talk to them about how the church has gotten so big. And I remember taking our check that we just gave to the, to the bank to pay off that last big chunk of debt. And I remember handing it to our loan officer and saying, look what God has done. She's unsaved. I'm praying for her salvation. But she sees it and she's amazed. Because we're not doing anything special. That's just people's generosity and it's God's goodness. We need to be motivated by God's goodness. Number two, we should be motivated by God's jealousy. Look at verse 19. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that, he hath done you good. Okay, smack in the face is saying, I'm going to serve God, but then going off and serving something different. And that's what Joshua is telling his people. Hey, God's done all this. It's your choice now. Go serve him. If you don't realize that he's a jealous God. He doesn't share the glory. He doesn't share the fame with someone. He doesn't share our devotion with something else. He's a jealous God. He alone can save us, and he does not share the glory. But the last thing that should motivate us should be our promises we've made to God. Look at verse 22. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves, that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. By a raise of hands, how many people in here have ever made a commitment to God? You've made a decision one day to say, hey God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going I'm to do my best for you. We've made a promise to God saying, we will serve him. And the same thing happens here. They make a commitment before Joshua and before the people saying, hey, we're going to serve God with everything we've got. Joshua reminds them, God's a jealous God. I think of, I think of Job. You read the first chapter of Job, you see a, really a terrible thing happen to a righteous man. The Bible says he was a perfect man. He was upright. God honored him above all. God showcased him before Satan, saying, this man is perfect. And Satan says, I'll test him. And in a matter of minutes, he loses everything except his health. At the end of the chapter, blessed be the name of the Lord. Can that be the same for each and every one of us? If we were to lose our home, if we were to lose our health, if we were to lose our, our provision, our, our financial security tomorrow, could we say it just as Maddie says it? I'm going to have faith in God still. Where is your faith? Everything we have can be gone in an instant. And in a second, we can lose our money, our health, our position, our security. So what do you put your faith in? And the last thing we see, we see this case, we see a choice. And the last thing we see is a covenant for service. We know what God can do. We know what he's like. But look at verse 24. 
And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God, we will serve, and his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people on that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it up under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto them, unto us, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, every man unto his inheritance. When I was in college, I had a preacher, Dr. Shetler actually, preached a message on memorials. And I remember he's going through this message and talking about it and he was talking about all the great things that God has done for us. And he was talking about all the things that God has saved us from and the different sins that we struggle with and how God wipes those away. And he says to motivate you, you need to have a memorial for that. And that day I picked up this rock as that memorial. This rock is nothing special. It's it's an off black gray color. It's, it's not even. It's got some chips in it. It's, it's not circle. It's kind of an oval weird shape. There's nothing physically special about this rock. But every time I look at this rock, I remember that, la- that night, sitting there in what we call the North Auditorium of School, I laid everything I'd ever fallen short of on this rock. I said, God, my lust, God, my undisciplined nature, God, my worry, God, my discontented attitude, God, my desire to do something different, God, anything and everything that falls short of you, I give to you. And this was my memorial for that night. It sits on my dresser at home most of the time. But every time I see this, I recognize, God, I told you I wouldn't worry. God, I told you I'd serve you with everything. God, I told you I'd I'd stop having those impure thoughts. And that night I made a memorial and I made a covenant to God. It was personal It was prominent and it was public. You see, we need to make a commitment to God tonight that is personal and passionate. Why? Because of everything he's done for us. Romans 8, 14. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. God gave his all. We can give our all to him. We need to have a prominent 
covenant. Joshua takes it and he says here and he writes it in the book and he puts up this great stone outside Shechem. It was a holy city. It was close to the temple and he puts up this great stone and he says it's going to be the motivation for you to get up every day and make God your priority. What's your prominent priority in your life? 1 Peter 2.9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which ye had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Guys sitting here in the front row, you guys will realize this. The world will look at you differently for the choices you make for God. People will look at you differently because you decide to serve God. You know what God says? Perfect. Because he's called you to be that. He's called us to stand out. He's called us to be peculiar. He's called us to be an influence, to be a light in a dark world. So we need this prominent covenant in our lives and the last thing we need is a public covenant he says it's going to be a witness unto us we should not be ashamed of our covenant with god we should be proud to be looked at as a follower of christ you have to wonder these captains these lords these whoever they were that came to joshua that day you have to wonder every time they come back to shechem and they'd see this stone You have to wonder, over the next few years, they turned from God quite a few times. You wonder if there was a kid sitting in there, listening in on Joshua's last words and seeing him put up this stone and walking by it as an old man, seeing that, hey, we didn't listen to what we said. We need to have a covenant with God. So much of the world is fearful of being branded strange or different, but God has called us to be set apart. So my last question for you tonight, before we end. Is it time for you to make a covenant with God? The stone has really helped me. It's it's a reminder every day when I wake up and I see it, that I've chosen to serve God. I've chosen to get rid of those sinful things. Maybe it's time that you have a covenant set up in your family. I do have a box of rocks. I like the phrase, a box of rocks. Maybe it's time that you came up and grabbed one today and said, God, with everything I am, with everything I do, I'm going to serve you, and this is my memorial for you. Maybe you're a teenager in here, and you're not sure what God wants you to do with your life. And that's fine. You're not, supposed to, you're not supposed to decide by the time you're 18. You're not supposed to decide by the time you're an adult that, hey, this is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. But make this commitment tonight. Wherever I go, I'm going to serve you. Maybe you need to come up and grab a rock tonight. And set it somewhere public in your house where you can know that, God, I made a commitment to you And I'm going to serve you with everything I am.
Choose you this day whom you will serve. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for dying for us. Lord, as we conclude tonight and we conclude Sunday, I pray that you help each and every one of us to follow you. Lord, I don't know if anyone here, I don't know if anyone was listening, if anyone cared. Lord, I thank you for Joshua. I thank you for his commitment. I thank you for his influence in our lives today. And I pray if even just one person takes a rock tonight, that it can be a memorial for them for what they are going to do for you. We love you, Lord. It's your name we pray. Amen. You all are dismissed.